I, uh, I started seminary in 2001 in Columbia, South Carolina, and it was there that I first encountered that nectar from heaven known as sweet tea. Can I get an amen? Oh, I was hooked at first sip. Oh, sweet tea. Oh, amazing, right? And so I was, I, was, uh, I, I, I kind of knew, but I didn't really fully know how you make it. And so early on, we, we went back home to Ohio, and we went out to dinner with my family to, you know, enjoy and to celebrate us being together, and, uh, and I ordered tea at the restaurant, and they didn't have this thing called sweet tea back then. Oh, we got unsweet tea, but I'll bring you some sugar. Oh, that'll work. It didn't work, did it? So it came to the table, and I put some sugar in, and I took a sip. I said, oh, that's not it, and I put a little bit more sugar in, and I sipped it, and that wasn't it, but I wasn't going to be crazy like that quickly. So I waited a couple minutes, and I put a little more sugar in, and that didn't work, and I put a little more sugar, and finally my brother said, Scott, is that enough sugar? It wasn't. Not even close. One of the components of our life of faith is that Jesus, his call and his work is to make you sweeter. He wants to make you sweeter. He wants to make you more aromatic of his goodness and his grace and his love and his mercy. He wants to soften on you the hard places and the hard things and Quite honestly, he wants to harden some of the soft stuff about you too. Right? That, that one of the things that Jesus comes to do for us is to help you reflect the goodness of God. As we sung a little bit ago. That, that, that's what our calling is. Is to become better, more refined, in our faithfulness, to, to become better servants, more faithful, more beautiful, sweeter, sweeter. Jesus comes to make you sweeter. The problem is, it doesn't work very well sometimes, does it? <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work all that great. Today's uh, gospel and the, the passage from Exodus that I read earlier are, are reflections of this reality. The transfiguration of, of Jesus. When, when the full glory of Jesus is revealed. Right? Jesus, fully human, fully God. And, and in this moment... Through Peter, James, and John, we, we get to see behind the veil of flesh of his humanness. And, and we beheld, we, we behold, they beheld, we behold the, the beauty and the fullness of Jesus and his glory. Unborrowed light. The light comes from Jesus. The light is Jesus. This 
It's beautiful. It's, it's the, uh, the transfiguration many years ago, but not all that long ago in the life of the church. The, the celebration of the transfiguration of Jesus was moved to, to the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. It became the, the close of the season of Epiphany, which is, which is great and brilliant and, and wonderful and reflective of all that we've been discussing these last weeks, right? Really, since Advent and the coming of Jesus and Christmas, the light that dawns and Epiphany, the light that shines and we've heard over and over call stories, stories about what God is doing and how people are stepping into it and into God's light and now we, we close with this season, with the story of the transfiguration, really the last big joyous moment until the celebration of the resurrection, right? The light that comes. And it, it starts with the story from Exodus, and the story of Moses on the mountain communing with God. I, I love the story of Moses. I, I love the character of Moses. I think we learn so much about who Jesus is through the story of Moses. Moses, the leader of the Israelites that, that led the, the way out of slavery into, into freedom. Moses, the one who walked with Israel and, and really showed them this is how we're called to live. This is what we're called to do with the Ten Commandments. And today, as, as we celebrate that, that Moses was communing and talking with God back and forth and what that conversation was that we didn't read about today, but it was all about how is Israel supposed to live? What, what is it that we're called to do? How will we live our life in such a way that it reflects God's goodness? That, that's what Moses and the Lord were talking about on Mount Sinai. You know what the Israelites were doing? <laughs> Messing everything up. Oh. It was during this time when Moses and the Lord were communing on Sinai that Aaron, Moses' brother who was in charge, led the people in worship, but not of the Lord. They wanted to worship something they could see, and so they fashioned a golden calf. They bowed down to this idol and worshiped it. So much so that it was, the Lord called a time out in their conversation and sent Moses down to, to straighten them up. Actually, the Lord, it says, wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and start over again. He was that mad. Ours is a jealous God. He was angry. He was bitter. He was broken. He was broken. Because the faithfulness of Israel was absent. Like when a husband and wife break because of infidelity. That's where the Lord was. He was broken. So the Lord is ready to wipe them out. Moses pleads on Israel's behalf comes back up to the mountain. And they're, they're talking and they're connecting and, and God is revealing and sharing his heart and the beauty and the glory. And all Moses wants to do, all Moses is desiring of is to see the glory. 
He wants to see the Lord. He wants to, to look at him and, and have a relationship with him face to face. And God says, no, I'm far too majestic. I'm far too glory-filled for you to see me and live. It's not possible. The awesomeness of God was too great. The power of God was too tremble-filled. And yet, as we read today, as Moses comes down from the mountain, something in him had changed. He had drawn close to the Lord, and Moses was different. You know anybody like that in your life? That when you're in their presence, something in you changes? You're different because of that? And it lingers after you leave their presence? Like when you're having a, a, a rotten day, a rotten week, but you're, you're excited, so excited, not, not overtly because you're, you're down in the dumps, but you are excited because you know God's timing is perfect because you already had scheduled on your calendar a lunch with your person early next week. And you go, and it changes things. You have those people? That have an impact, that bless you, and that change you. This, this, and so much more is what Moses encountered. As he comes down from the mountain, he's not even aware of it, but his face shines because the goodness of God has rubbed off on him. And Israel freaks out, as you might imagine. But Moses is different. And because Moses is different, the people hear Moses differently. It matters. The point is this. Drawing close to God changes us. Amen? It changes who you are. When you encounter the Lord, you walk away different than you did when, before you encountered him. It's different. That's the holiness of God. The glory of God has an impact. I, I love our church. Can, can I tell you just a little bit about what you do? Look at this food. This is just a portion of how we will bless people in our community that are hungry. Just a small bit, because of you. This afternoon, to, to complete a project that we began uh, a long time ago, we were partnering with the gathering people and they're sending a crew to, to finalize and finish, or nearly finish, the transformation of our garage on the other side of the parking lot into a food pantry. Do you know that? Because of you. That's amazing. 
That's incredible. Because of you. Because the light of Jesus that shines through you. Our women's Bible study gives Bibles and glasses to the local jail. That's amazing. That's incredible. We have upcoming here, uh, uh, I think we'll start it next week, but we're gonna, we've been having conversations and we will continue to have conversations about ways that we as a, a congregation can continue and grow our care and concern of our senior saints here at Prince of Peace and beyond. What impact can we have? How can we bless? How can we grow in our support of our senior saints? Because of you. None of this was my idea. This was your idea. All of it. Because of you. The light that shines, shines through you. And it's Jesus, and it's beautiful. Keep shining your light. As Moses comes down and, and encounters the people, one of the things that... that he shares with Israel through, through this and the next several books of the Bible and, and, and then through the rest of Scripture is, okay, th this then is how we are to live. And so with it comes all kinds of instructions, all kinds of obligations, all kinds of rituals, all kinds of rules, all kinds of statutes, all kinds of laws. You are to be this and this and this. You know what? It gets heavy really quick. Pastor Green talked about this that not that long ago, a couple weeks ago, talked about the law. From this point forward, the law becomes significantly important in the life of the faith. God is holy. We are not. We want to be. This is how we do it. Guess what? <laughs> we fail, don't we? The law cuts us down. The law establishes God's grace and his glory and his goodness and his standard. And as we look at our lives, we fall beneath it. The law kills. Not because it's not perfect, but it establishes the standard, and as we come to it, we realize we're already beneath it. We've already failed. We're already less than we are called to be. This is why when we encounter God, we have fear. Because he is so big, and we are not worthy. And even on our best days, we know that. That's what encounters with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. The three disciples Peter, James, and John see Jesus. They see him change. They hear a voice from heaven. They see two figures from the Old Testament. There is so much there. And Peter, who can't keep his mouth shut, doesn't know what to say, so he spits out something because he is trembling because he's afraid. Have you been afraid? Let me give it, give it to you this way. I was in high school at a camp on a high ropes course. In most high ropes course I'd done at that time and even since, the, the way you get down is a long zip line, and it's fun and great, right? Maybe you've done that. This one didn't want to do it that way. <laughs> so we got on a giant swing, 
You get to the end, and there's this giant rope, and you're sitting on a platform, and the rope isn't taut. It's, there's a lot of slack in it. So what it means is when you fall off the platform, you're going to free fall for about 10 feet before the rope catches, and then you swing. It is terrifying. Terrifying. Of course, there's safety involved. You know, you got your carabiners and you clip in and you look on the rope and hanging out of the middle of this rope is this flimsy cable. And you look to yourself and you think, that's going to hold me? But you're reassured and so you clip in. And at this point, everybody is talking to me. The guy that's, you know, in charge is standing on the platform talking me through things and he's chirping in my ear and psyching me up and telling me I'm going to be great and it's overwhelming. And I got people on the ground that had already done it that were encouraging me, oh, this is great, you're going to love it. But they sound like, well, they sound like uh, Charlie Brown's teacher and mom a little bit. (laughs) And there are people that are coming up next And they're encouraging me and telling me to hurry up. And I got the own voices in my head that are telling me, you can do this, you can do this, right? Everybody was speaking to me and all of it was overwhelming, even the good stuff. It was overwhelming and I was panicked and I was frightened and I was afraid. Have you been there? That's what's going on with Peter, James, and John. They're on the mountaintop, and they hear the voice of the Lord, which is a good voice, a beautiful voice, a voice we should listen to, but it's overwhelming. And they see these characters from of old, Elijah and Moses, and they're amazed, and they want to celebrate it, but it's overwhelming. And the goodness of God, which is such a gift, and yet it is such a weight, too, right? And everything in that moment as things are being happening all around them and they know it's a, an important mo- moment but they're, they're overwhelmed by everything. Have you been overwhelmed by everything? And then the voice speaks and everything is silent and their eyes are captivated by Jesus and all they see is Jesus. And all they know is Jesus. It's Jesus. All the sound and all the extra, all of it fades away and their eyes are looking and their ears are hearing Jesus. The only way I leaned forward on that platform and fell was by staring up at that flimsy little cable and focusing on that. You see, we're we're called to reflect the light of Jesus. We're called in so many ways to be like Moses, that you ought to shine, right? Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's from Matthew. It's also said at every baptism that, that the light of Jesus comes to you. Now go shine it. Live within the fullness of God. Follow all of his statutes. Live out his law. Love and serve. You know what? 
That's beautiful. I love it. I stink at it. I fail. I get overwhelmed. I'm always wondering, am I doing enough? There's more I could do, right? And then when I mess it up, I I fixate on that. Are you there? Shine like Jesus. But the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus shines. It's him and his glory. He fulfills what every, everything that we can't. He succeeds where we fail, where we fall. That's why we look to Jesus. I don't know if you recognize this in our culture war today. As we continue to carry the banner of Jesus out into the world... I'm guilty of it. I'm guessing you're guilty of it. Lots of people are guilty of it. But in our banner to to carry Jesus into the world, we often throw at people laws and rules and obligations and ways we're failing and you're failing. You know what we ought to carry? Jesus. Just Jesus. Love like Jesus. Show people Jesus. That's the beauty of this campaign that you'll see again tonight. He gets us. It's not about the rules. It's about Jesus. It's about his light that shines on you. So go shining on others. But it's not up to you. You'll mess it up. He won't. And that's the good news. In the name of Jesus. Amen.